I promise you, when you put it up and you see that yoke, you can't do nothing but get your roll on. You can't do nothing but get your roll on. A dumb play by, by Anderson. I love I love Anderson. But it was a dumb play when he had when his foot was uh, shoe was coming off up the line screen. We were hard and take timeout. November 1st, and we're here to talk about what happened um, on Sunday night in primetime. And of course, I'm talking about episode three of Succession, the new season. So (laughs) a lot happened, but unfortunately, we did not get to watch that live because we were at the Vikings game. So took a a day here to recover. We're here. We're ready. Ryan Lundin's here uh, to talk about the debacle, um, the Halloween night loss to the Cowboys um, wasn't quite as – it was a great atmosphere, but the Cowboys fans were a little more well-behaved this time, I would say, but still um, not fun to be to be with them um, and on the losing end, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. I know specifically our section, although there I felt like we're more Cowboys, Cowboy fans than in years past, um, they were definitely – Definitely toned her down a little bit compared to what we're used to. So that was nice. Maybe the only positive from the night, but. Yeah. So we have, um, we have a few things that we'll discuss from the game itself. Um, and then we'll get into uh, ask uh, for some, some questions from the audience and stuff. So we have some of those. So we'll do those later in the, in the podcast. What I want to start with is, so obviously the Vikings lost, um, 20 to 16, I believe was the final score. Um, they scored a touchdown on their first drive, did not score again. So here's my working theory. Clint Kubiak is Ryan Saunders. Okay, elaborate. He's not ready for the job and <laughs> is kind of riding off of his. I don't want to, I don't want to like trash Ryan too much because he, you know, we love the Saunders family and he did his best, but wasn't just clearly wasn't up for it. Um, wasn't ready, was too young, um, too inexperienced to do the job at a, at a professional level. And I think that that's where we're at with Clint, who obviously worked under his dad, um, a great you know offensive mind for many years, and is in his first opportunity to be an offensive coordinator and a play call. I just don't think, I just think he's out of his depth. I mean, we've seen the lack of adjustments, the way the game plans have so often gotten figured out quickly and then been neutralized the Vikings now have through seven games, five of those games, they've not scored an offensive touchdown in the second half, not one touchdown. Like that's in today's NFL. That's really, really crazy. So again, today, they, um, yesterday, they have a nice, you know, script to drive the first drive, go down and score. And then from there, it's pretty much the offense is shut down. They figure out, you know, take away Dalvin double Justin Jefferson and, 
you know, it's a combination of things. Obviously not all on Clint, like there's issues with execution, but I think that that's the biggest problem with the offense at this point is that he's just not up for um, the challenge of NFL play calling. Yeah, I think, um, and we kind of talked obviously throughout the day today, um, but there was a stat that came out um, regarding Kirk Cousins' depth of target, um, which has steadily been been climbing down since those first two weeks. Um, and it's second worst in the league or second shortest in the league at this point. And the way I look at it is – I don't think Kirk is limiting you now. He definitely missed a couple receivers last night, um, but that that's going to be Kirk. You got to manufacture a couple shots downfield. And I take a look at that. The first drive where the Vikings got their touchdown, drove down the field. They took in however many plays, two of them I would consider were, were deep shots. One was either on a second or third down to Conklin who mm-hmm. made a great catch. They called a penalty, but it didn't matter because he made the catch. And then the other play um, I think was to Jefferson. And there was also a pass interference on that play as well. So they, they take two shots and by all accounts have, have good experiences with those. And then I just really feel like they shy away from it as the, the game proceeds on. So I don't, I don't know. I, I think it's Clint getting, I don't know, too scared to pull the trigger. Um, and I think some of it may be Zim kind of, I would say copped out by hiring Kubiak mm-hmm. because yeah, you get the young face, but you're getting the old soul uh, the system, yeah. Kubiak system. Um, so you can end with as young he is, maybe mold him to run the ball more. If, if that's your thing. And I think we've talked about, I don't think Sim really has his hand in on the offense um, within the game. There may be some overarching uh, narratives that he, he plays throughout the week, but like you said, five of seven games that they haven't scored in the second half and, or they haven't scored a touchdown in the second half. Um, it's, it's just frustrating because it's the same, same situation week after week and it doesn't seem like there's adjustments being made to to fix it yeah really they've been consistently um getting getting kind of figured out as games go on and there's been some games when they've been able to come through and make some plays on kind of on talent alone and then there's been too many others um where they've just been really ineffective especially in the second half or beyond the first drive on offense I think it's a combination of both Kirk and Clint where they're kind of the perfect combination in a bad way, because if you have a guy who is, whose game plans are getting figured out pretty early and doesn't have enough kind of backups or, or audibles to go to not literal audibles, but you know, changes in the game plan throughout the game. And then you have a quarterback who is very beholden to what is called, what's my progression, what's the defense giving me that is what leads to targets behind the line of scrimmage, CJ ham tight ends, you know, check down, check down, because once the defense, you know, knows what you're doing and is going to say, you know, we're going to take Justin and, and whoever else away, then 
Kirk's not the guy that's going to say he's not going to force it, you know? Um, and if the offense isn't scheming things for them, then I don't think Kirk's going to go out and do that either. So I think that they just together kind of lead to this recipe, which is allowing the defense to really dictate what they do. Um, and unfortunately that hasn't led to much, you know, in the past, I think even if you're throwing short in the screen game with Dalvin or whoever else, that can be explosive. Sometimes that has not been the case very much this year, as far as him, you know, breaking tackles and getting down the field on those sorts of things. So, so it's really hard to watch um, when that happens. You know, Jefferson only had four targets again last night. And there was this other stat I saw today, which is on um, eight third downs that the Vikings failed to convert Kirk cousins never targeted beyond the line to gain on those eight third downs. So even when you need it, they're not, go, they're not trying to get it, you know? So that's just a really frustrating thing to watch. And, you know, we'll talk more about Zim later. Ultimately it, it does, you know, you, I do think it's more of a Clint issue, but you're right. Zim picked him. Um, Spielman picked him to an extent. And, you know, if he's going down, then they're probably going to go down with him. So any other thoughts on kind of the offensive performance? I know the offensive line got pretty dominated. Um, they were not super effective running the ball. And then there was um, a number of pressures, I think 15 pressures out of 37, 38 dropbacks, something like that, which is, is very bad. But at some point that can't just be an excuse for doing nothing, right? Like you have to either figure out a way to do that or, you know, with creative play calling, getting outside the pocket or, Kirk's got to stand in there and still make some throws out of that rather than um, bailing. So it's obviously not on one person. It's a combination of things, but when it keeps happening over and over again, uh, you really have to kind of identify the key players and, and how they're failing to, to fix it. Yeah. I think uh, you said it perfectly kind of there when it, you said it keeps happening over and over again. Um, and I talked to my brother-in-law last night, Keontae, and he used the, uh, he had a good point where he goes, I'm not a elite football mind. I'm not going to tell you how to mm -hmm. call plays, but what we're doing week after week is starting to look pretty close to the definition of insanity. Like we're running the same, we're, we're targeting, we're not targeting Jefferson. I feel like every pod we've had, we've asked for 10 targets a game and, and he's not going to get, not getting that. He got four CJ ham had three in comparison. Um, so like, that's the most frustrating part is why is the, why is Clint not listening to the pod? I guess is where <laughs> I'm really concerned. Um, feel, feel like we have some good options for him here, but like you said, the pressure rate was, was worst of the year. Um, I'm ready to see what Wyatt Davis has at right. the right guard position. Um, yeah, most of those were interior, um, again, kind of the tackles. I know Darius had a bit of a, a worse game than his first game, but, um, as far as grading and stuff goes and who gave up pressures, it was mostly Cleveland and Bradbury, um, and, um, Udo. So the interior is kind of the issue more so than, than the, the tackles. Right. Exactly. And Oli definitely had a hot start to the year. We were, we were very excited, <laughs> uh, where he was at, but he has come back to earth in a hurry. Um, there has been a lot of regression in, in his game while there continues <laughs> the touchdown regression still doesn't happen for Thielen, which is great, but 
Definitely plenty of regression for Ole. I'm ready to see what Wyatt Davis has. It can't be that much worse. You're three and four. Um, I don't I don't know what we have to lose, I guess, at that point. On the flip side, there's there's plenty of games left. So if he is that much worse, then, then it is what it is. My other point I, I want to bring up is when that pressure rate is so high, like you said, you either got to move the pocket, um, get Kirk rolling out, or like if you just take a, a three-step drop and and you loft one down the sidelines, which like I mentioned, they did twice on, on that first drive, uh, you don't need to, your pre, your protection to hold up for very long if mm-hmm. you're just going to do a quick, quick shot. Um, and I'm looking at the stats now. So Barry had had six punts um, with an average of 39.5. And not that not that our punt coverage has been terrible, but I, I wouldn't say it's been been world beating. Kirk can throw the ball 40 yards like out of eight third downs that they didn't pick up. Try that twice, maybe three times like and you're saying it's still it better than the a punt. sticks <laughs> yeah if it gets picked. right like even if it gets picked and then you have the opportunity for pass interference defensive holding uh hands to the face of the off uh the defensive linemen like i don't know throwing short of the sticks yeah you're you have a chance to get some yak and and pick up the first down but we're also throwing to cj ham I think Luke Stockel got a Luke Stocker got a target Herndon Madison. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, you're not utilizing the the stars you have on this team to their fullest potential. Yeah, I definitely think it's true. The one other thing I want to say on the offense before we move to the defense is that unfortunately and this is not a, an indictment of him, but he's only in his second year, but Justin Jefferson is not Stefan Diggs yet. Um, there's been a few plays that have been left on the table as far as there was the one target where he was open last night. And of course, he should be getting more chances. Like, it's very hard to say, oh, the one catch he didn't come up with was, you know, that defines his game. You should get more, many more opportunities to make, make that right. But I do think that there's just been a few plays left out there. He's not been able to make some of those um more contested plays or difficult plays that, you know, would be, you know, you don't necessarily expect him to come down with all of them, but if you are going to be that next level receiver, um, I think that's what we need to see. And that's something Diggs was so good at, especially in a big primetime game like this. So that would be my hope is that um, he'll continue to improve. Of course, it's only second year. He's still, you know, on pace, you know, in, ahead of pace from what, what Diggs did. But I do think that I'd like to see more from him on that, but he needs more opportunities as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I like that. Um, I'm just looking at the box score here. I, I'll give a shout out to Conklin, five for 57. Um, that's that's decent production from our tight end, but that's about the only only How one. How many passing yards really... do we have total? Like 160, something like that? Yeah, 184 from Kirk, but that doesn't factor in sacks. But there's only one yeah. sack. So, yeah, right, right about 175. Yeah. Well, let's move to the defense. So, okay. This is where we should probably mention that the Vikings lost to Cooper rush. 
and not, <laughs> and not Dak Prescott, which as this was going on throughout the week and uh, the, the line started to move and stuff and everyone's like, oh, maybe Dak's not going to play and the Vikings suddenly become favored in this game. I, if I was a betting man, I would have um, tried to short that as far as even if the Vikings are favored by two points, betting on the Cowboys just because, first of all, it's an emotional hedge. And second of all, we've seen this team lose to backup quarterback so many times that I thought that's, that's not at all a surprise. I don't think he's what what beat the Vikings last night. They beat themselves more so. And, you know, kind of the talent around Cooper Rush did. So, but, you know, he had two turnovers. He wasn't like great by any means, but he did make the plays that needed to be made and even give more opportunities to his wide receivers that the Vikings really didn't. So, it's hard to know for sure what the kind of the game plan was going in. It does seem like they were a little bit, I don't know, vanilla or kind of giving things up somewhat easily f- for fear of the big, the big play, which did get beat. They did get beat on a big play once too. So, so that was kind of frustrating. You know, they did, they were in a position still to win in the end. And if not for a penalty on a third and 16, on a delay a game on the defense, which is crazy because we've now seen that twice this year and both on the Vikings and both times it's cost them where they try to call a second time out in a row. And then, you know, they check it down to Zeke on third and 11 and he's dead to rights about three yards down the field by bar with bar. And I'm not sure which corner it was um, maybe Dantzler and they just both miss the tackle and he picks up the first down, you know, you hold him to a field goal there, you get the ball back. Um, with the chance to potentially go to overtime or take the lead instead of being down a touchdown. So overall, that's not what, why the Vikings lost, but it was still disappointing. They couldn't come through um, in that way, but they did come up with two turnovers and give, I think they gave, you know, the offense every chance they needed to to win that game and win it probably comfortably. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't have a lot of complaints with the defense. They gave up if it wasn't Cooper Rush, I guess they gave up 20 points, seven of which are on a, a long 75 yard touchdown, which you just don't expect expect that to happen. They gave the offense the ball back in in good field position at least three times between the the missed field goal mm-hmm. and the two turnovers. Um, and I feel, I don't think the Vikings scored off of of any of those drives. Um, we had said at the game, if the Vikings can get to 21, 24 points, they're going to win this game. Yep. And it would have held true because um, obviously the Cowboys scored 20, but I thought that was on the, the upper end of their, their window. Um, looking at the stats, Cooper Rush had 325 yards passing. And it- yeah, and that just shows how much more because they, they had a similar number of completions, but he just, you know, they were making much more with it. And that's why, you know, efficiency completion percentage is often not a good indicator of, you know, offensive success because Kirk can complete 80% of his passes, but if he's only getting 160 yards on, you know, five yards per per pass, then it's not it's not worth it. Right. And, like, if you told me, if you told me, as we were walking into the stadium that Cooper rush would start and Zeke would be held to 50 yards and Tony Pollard would be held to 26. I would assume the Vikings win that game, but. And you get your turn hours. Yeah. Right. But. Uh, yeah, it was, it was bad. So 
We have a few questions from the audience I want to get to, and we can kind of discuss things as we go here. But what was the, I guess, what were you most kind of surprised by during the game? Was it just that this is, was it not a surprise that this happened again? Or was it, because I felt like Cooper Rush wasn't really moving the ball on us. And I didn't think, you know, I still thought it was going to be ugly, but the Vikings would probably end up pulling the game out. So it was a bit of a shock when they, when they failed to do that, but they certainly deserve to lose with the way that the offense played in the second half. So any of those overall thoughts that you have about kind of how that game ended? Um, I guess the one thing I felt leaving the game was the exact same feeling of the other Cowboys game we attended where Mm -hmm. completely different game strip. The Vikings drive down and score with a chance to die, but don't get the two point conversion in this scenario. The Vikings did no driving in the second half. Um, to be, to be mentioned. Uh, the, the thing that really stuck out in my mind the most was um, the, the lack of, of anything different on, on offense. Um, Clint Kubiak definitely got his relaxation on the bye. He was not <laughs> in the film room. Um, he, he made zero, zero change. Um, and we can't even get it going out of halftime either. That's what's crazy to me. Like you'd think you can script something up coming out of halftime, something different. We usually go three and out out of halftime. Yeah, exactly. In spectacular and, fashion, usually too, like losing yards. Oh yeah. In a negative, negative yardage overall on the drive is, is par for the course. Um, don't get, I don't want to get the audience wrong. You're looking at the, uh, the least Greg Coleman fan in the world in, in myself, but he mentioned post game. He goes, is there a rule that you can't run the scripted plays over and over until they stop them? Right. Like it's just the way the Vikings look on the first drive of the game compared to how they look every other drive is, is so night and day that, that something is happening that, that can't be explained. I don't know. Even if you're running the exact same plays and and then they make adjustments, then you can adjust. But it yeah, they seems said like- on that on that first drive, they you know the first um, one of the first completions was that that quick screen to Jefferson, and then he you know catches and runs. And they said that the Thielen touchdown was a variation off that, where Kirk kind of looked at Jefferson short, and then you know Thielen hops into that that second or third window for the touchdown. So stuff like that, where you know those aren't the most splashy plays or anything but even a couple more of those just getting the ball out to your to Thielen and Jefferson in some space quick you know like you say three-step drop one-step drops quick stuff um was just not happening so I think that sometimes they go into a game and they assume the protection is going to hold up which is a very dangerous assumption and then they're like well if not then we're just we have nothing so you know you have to I sometimes think they don't really plan for the um, for what could go wrong, but they're like, you know, an ideal world, we're going to have the protection. So then we can do all this stuff, but sometimes yeah. you got to scheme you know, to hide your weaknesses instead of assume that they're going to get, going to get better. Exactly. Yeah. They, they assume the protection is going to hold up. And then the answer when it doesn't is just to check down to your fullbacks, running backs and, and tight ends where I, I feel like as you watch that game go on, 
call a max protection and just run right. Jefferson and Thielen deep. Again, if you throw a pick, it's not that much different than a punt. Um, odds are with Kirk, it's going to be a contested catch if, if the coverage is good. So you shouldn't have a huge return. I, I don't know. It's just, I get you can't do that every play, but the lack of it when you have what you would hope are two Pro Bowl wide receivers and a $30 million quarterback is where I'm, I'm lost. Yeah, we were watching the Colts game earlier, and I think none of us think Carson Wentz is as good as Kirk Cousins, but they, have, they were talking about how the Colts have had like multiple 30-plus yard pass interference um, plays throughout the season. And just sometimes it's just you just got to take a shot. And I think we're kind of just rambling on this at this point. But the other thing with the offense is, you know, if the scheme is what it sounds like teams have been doing, which is, you know, bracketing Justin Jefferson, taking him away, taking that first option away. You have two other receivers who are, I mean, Thielen had a few more catches, but I know he was missed on some open plays as well, where Kirk didn't throw it to him. And then Osborne didn't have a catch until like late in the game. So I think that you just have to focus on, on them instead of, you know, just take what we can get with, with the tight ends and the, and the running backs, but let's move on to the questions. So thank you for those that send in audience questions. Uh, This is a good way to, for us to engage with people and kind of see what people are wondering about. So question number one, this comes from, from, from Jonah Poppin shout out Jonah. And this is not a real question, but he just sent, he just sent in, um, I want to ask the Vikings. And then he sent the gif of, of Kelly Kapoor saying, I have a lot of questions. Number one, how dare you? Which that sums it up better than anything. I think, thank you, Jonah, for that. I don't have an answer for you, but that sums up how we feel. Yeah. There's a lot of questions left unanswered. You're in the same boat as, as both of us. All right. So to a more serious one, and I'm sure a lot of this has been one of the biggest top talking points uh, throughout the season. And it's kind of at a, at a peak right now. So this question's from Grant. Should Mike Zimmer be fired? I'll let you answer first. I'll go ahead and, and I'll answer first. And I'm assuming you're going to be of the a similar mindset, but Mike Zimmer will not be fired in season. Um, I just don't see the Wilfs doing that, especially now that we're past the bye week. Um, I don't know if he should be fired. Um, most of my my gripe with the Vikings team and, and their performance is with Rick Spielman. Um, there was a tweet today by Nick Olson just highlighting the fact of how much draft capital has been spent on the offensive line and cornerbacks. And those are arguably two of the weakest position groups on on the team. Um, But if the Vikings don't make the playoffs, I think Zim is definitely gone. Um, I think Rick and Zim are a package deal. Yeah with Kirk even though he's got one year year left but what, what do you think yeah it'll be we'll certainly have a bigger discussion on it as we get closer to the offseason and what can be done I think the Kirk question is is still up in there at this point I think that barring some sort of turnaround and even if you sneak into a wild card I don't know if that's enough to save Zim unless that we can clearly see a something to build on moving forward that's a change from what we've seen the first seven games of the season And here's what I want to say about Zim. So I've been a huge Zim supporter throughout, and I still am. 
and I think that there's two different kind of things, which is people who think that the game has passed him by, which I do not think is true, especially defensively. I still think he, I don't think that he's lost a step there. What I do think is that his confidence is shot at this point. And maybe it's job insecurity. Maybe it's just, you've been doing it for too long and you're not able to, to, you know, make the changes that are necessary, but I do think he's coaching and the team as a whole, like a team that's afraid to make mistakes and afraid for what could go wrong instead of going out to try to win. I think we've seen that enough this season that they, they think, you know, we can, we can get ahead, we can shut it down and we can, you know, eke out a win by a field goal or whatever, which they've done a few times. And then they've got burnt on it a few times too, in games that they, you know, you control and then something goes wrong at the end. And suddenly the lions are up on you and the, you know, Cooper rush is scoring a touchdown in your end zone with under a minute left, that kind of thing. So I do think that that, I think that that's the bigger issue is that the confidence is gone and they just don't have, they're not, they're not playing to win. They're playing not to lose in a lot of ways. And that comes from, you know, the coaching. So that's what I think the biggest issue is. And I don't know how you fix that unless some, something significantly changes. So I don't think that his, you know, schemes are outdated or anything like that, but I do think that it's comes from maybe that the, maybe it's being on the hot seat. Maybe, I don't know, just being around for a long time, but that's kind of what I'm seeing. And that's where I do think, you know, even though he's been probably my favorite coach we've had in, in my lifetime, it's, you can't, you can't go forward with that. If that's the case, you can't be coaching scared or playing scared. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And like you said, he's probably been the best favorite coach of, of our lifetime. Um, but at, at some point when you don't get the results, um, got to find something else unless you have something to build on. So like I said earlier, there's a lot of games left. Um, and, and if, if Zim can adopt the mindset of unless we're really good, I'm probably going to lose my job and, and that allows him to open it up. Um, if it continues as is Zim's definitely not making it another year. Right. Yeah. And I think it's not all necessarily decision-making within a game. I think there's some of that, but there's been more aggressive in some cases on fourth downs and things like that. I think it comes down to from, from the people that I follow and trust that look at some of the film and stuff. I do think some of the, some of the scheming and those things are more of let's avoid things going wrong instead of trying to make, make plays on both sides of the ball. So, so that's what I think yeah. the issue is. And like I said before, if he, if his, he hung his hat on moving forward with Clinton, if that's a failure, then that's, you know, something that at this point he's probably got to, got to answer for as well with the number of offensive coordinators that have come through here in his tenure. Right. All right. Let's get to another question. So this is from, from your wife, Deandra. So Deandra says, what are the Vikings odds of making the playoffs? I think there's a, there was an official number. I know I saw coming into this game that the Vikings had one of the biggest um, discrepancies with whether they won or lost this week, it would impact their playoff chances by like 21%. So obviously they lost. My guess is they're sitting like somewhere between 30 and 40%. Um, do you have thoughts on that? Either a percentage or just kind of what the path is to making the playoffs still at this point. We're only not even halfway through the season yet, which is crazy. Right. I, I think um, I think it's tough for me to put a to to say um, being that this is the first year with 17 
games. Right. And this is also um, the second year with seven playoff teams. Yep. Or whatever it is. Um, looking at it right now, the Vikings are in the eighth spot in the NFC. Uh, number seven is Carolina, who is four and four, hasn't had their buy oh, yeah. yet. And the Vikings would own the tiebreaker over them. So I, I think the Vikings still can control their own destiny. Um, there's still a lot of division. You, you still get Chicago twice. You still get Detroit. Um, that's, that's picking handpicking some of the games left right. on the schedule to feel better about, but uh, I don't know. We did this after, after week one or week two um, kind of looked at the first four games and said, if we can get to 500, um, if you can get through the Packers game, if you win two out of your next three, I really like your chances. So yep. you've got Ravens, Chargers, Packers, um, which are all playoff teams. If, if you win two of those games, I'm feeling really good. Even if you win one, we'll see where we're at. Yeah, I think the thing is, the Vikings are probably good enough to make the playoffs in like that seven spot. The issue is going to be the schedule. And because I do think that there's only two other good wild card teams and the saints are one of those teams who now don't have a quarterback. So they'll be in an interesting spot. So it's six and seven, I think, I mean, nine wins can probably get you there. So it's just a matter of you're going to have to win some games that you're not going to be favored in. There are going to be five point underdogs in Baltimore this week against, you know, the best running team in the league when we, our run defense has been a weakness. So, those are all going to be tough. Yeah. The next three are going to be very tough and that will define where they're at this season. If they win one, they'll still have a chance. It'd be tough. If you win two, you're in a really good spot. So that would be certainly a improvement over after losing to Cooper rush. This is the game that you probably should have had definitely should have had. So, but you know, this team has been very, they've been consistently, you know, in close games, but they've played up and down to their level of, of competition. This is the same team that, you know, almost beat the Cardinals in Arizona. So it's possible, you know, they're going to have to prove it to us. I'm not writing it off yet because it is only week eight and there's nine games to play. So they've got a chance. I wouldn't put it, I'd put it under 50% at this point, just because of the schedule though. And then we're going to talk about in a minute too, but you know, some injury news that is going to put a, put a damper on the, on the defensive ceiling of this team too. I'll put it right at 50. I'm feeling feeling dangerous yeah and that, i mean it is a lot because the rest of the nfc is just there's not much in as far as getting to that seven spot there's not a lot of teams that you really worry about so it'll just be a matter of coming through with with a couple wins that may be tough to get so so let's move on to the to the other question which is from amir and amir wanted to ask about the daniel hunter injury which was announced this morning he left the game last night and is now off for the season so Amir is asking, was last night the last time Daniel Hunter will play for the Vikings? I know his contract is um, a big question moving forward. This is another significant injury for him. So so what do you foresee with him um, heading into the offseason? I would say no, it's not his last um, snap in purple. Um, I don't foresee the Vikings just kind of cutting their losses and getting out after this year, next year, whatever it is. Um, he is like a generational talent when it comes mm-hmm. to pass rush. Um, and even if you're paying him 
one of the highest, even if he's one of the highest defensive played paid players in the league, you still can trade him if he's healthy and, and playing at the level that we're used to for two to three first round picks, just using the Khalil Mack trade as a, as a, a bar on that. So I don't think the Vikings would let him walk for nothing. Um, and I don't see the Vikings making a trade before he plays his next uh, snap in a Vikings jersey. Yeah. Yeah, it may be a kind of an interesting situation similar to what we had this offseason, which is he's coming off an injury and looking for a big contract, and the Vikings are are wanting to keep him. And like you said, he's certainly a key to the defense and and someone that who is if he's healthy is worth whatever money you're paying him, but it'll just be kind of a negotiation what can we where can we meet at with your you know health issues and maybe it's another prove it contract but hopefully for him i'm hoping he can get paid but there might be an opportunity for the vikings to be able to to get him on a little bit cheaper of a deal than they would have had he stayed healthy for the whole season too so i think they'll prioritize bringing him back if not you know hopefully he's not a cap casualty you know maybe you can move him like you said for um some draft capital or something like that but you know, maybe this is wishful thinking, but I would, I would hope that he's back. It will depend more on, I guess, what he wants to do too. If he thinks this is his best chance to prove himself staying here or, or look for another opportunity. So, so not a firm answer either way, but I think we're hoping that he's still around heading into, into the future. Agreed. Cool. All right. Last question. This is more like kind of, I don't know, philosophical, but Kirsten asks, when will the Vikings ever get it together? And, <laughs> and my answer is probably never, but maybe next year. <laughs> I think that's the, the best way you can put it. Um, probably the year after I die, but, or maybe next year, you know, you never, that's, that's the life of being a Vikings fan is, um, you know, trying to have endless hope, but also knowing that um, so far it has not worked out as we would like to in the, 60 plus years of, of this franchise. So, but we gotta, we gotta keep hope. Um, we don't want to, well, maybe actually I've been thinking a lot about the George Costanza quote about becoming hopeless because hopelessness is, or hope is killing me. <laughs> is My dream is to become, become hopeless is what he says. So maybe that's what we'll get to, but not yet. I will, I will continue to ride the roller coaster and, and hope for, um, for one day. And maybe it's next year. Maybe it's, well, I don't think it's this year, but yeah, well, it dep- I think um, I'm so naive. I think it depends on what day of the week you ask yes. me that question. If you ask me on a Monday right after a Vikings loss, yeah, we're never getting it together. Why do I waste my time? I let the Vikings ruin 50% of my Sundays between September and Christmas. If you ask me on a Friday, Saturday going into a game, I'm like, yep. the Vikings are got it rolling. Like we've got a game plan. So I'm that naive person um, that as of right now, I see the Vikings losing by three scores to the Ravens um, check in on Friday and we're going to find a way to win this game. Yeah. By, so. by Thursday or Friday, I'm going to think that the Vikings will, will beat Baltimore. So, and maybe they will. That's the thing about the NFL is we don't want to, you know, this is about as bad as it gets as far as the loss last night, even though the Cowboys are a very good team, but with, you know, with the situation with the quarterback, but every week in the NFL is, is an overreaction one way or the other. So we'll have to, that's why we got to continue to, you know, focus on one week at a time throughout the season. And as we get to the off season, there'll be plenty of time to answer bigger questions about the future and rebuilding or changing things up. But for now, we'll, 
move forward. A very disappointing loss, but you know, hopefully this is helpful for, for those of us to talk through and um, look at as we move forward with the rest of the season. So any other thoughts? Otherwise, school. Yeah, school. The only thought I have is uh, <laughs> there's plenty of tape that you can get better from yeah. this week. So just grind. And I will say if anyone's looking for um, two Vikings tickets for any of the remaining home games at market rate with no fees, hit us up. <laughs> exactly. They're all on the table. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks for your time. Um, good to process everything with you. And hopefully next week will be a, a more exciting cover. Well, not exciting, but more optimistic conversation. Yeah. Can't wait. All right. In situations like this, there's only two money guys on this team. Find them. Find him. Hey, what you gonna do today? Make out my A game. You got your A game? Yes, sir. You got his A game.